0: Welcome to Catholic Town Sponsored by the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lords and Mount St. Mary's University Catholic Town aims to highlight people, places, and movements That are spreading the Kingdom of God in the historic town of Emmitsburg, Maryland and beyond Join us as we sit down with Catholic figures of all types Hear their stories and get to the heart of what drives them
1: Hello, this is David McCarthy, and I'm here with Monsignor Baker, Monsignor Andrew Baker. And Good a nice thing about having a seminar on campus is you get people from lots of different places. We certainly do, yes. yes. So you probably should tell us where you're from, and then I'll ask, how does one become a rector?
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> That's a tougher question. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Well, first, where would I come from? from a far, far away place. Called Allentown, Pennsylvania. I'm a priest oh. of Allentown. Is that right? It's only about two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah,
1: you know, my son goes to school at Lafayette. At
0: Lafayette, yeah. 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 Nice. Been great. Oh. Yeah. It's a great school, and uh, it's great to be from that, that area. I grew up there, was born there, grew up there, and and I'm a priest of that diocese. Yeah. There's five counties right there uh, just north of Philadelphia that's the Diocese of Allentown. Oh, so. well, yeah. And you went to school. All Uh over the place. Um, You know, before seminary, I was really in Allentown, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school there in Allentown. And then uh, two years at DeSales University. Yes. uh, And I was in the seminary at the same time. Uh, And then I finished my college at uh, St. Charles Seminary. Yes. uh, The college division of St. Charles Seminary. And then then continued into the Theologate, uh, where I did my four years of theology studies, and then I was ordained. Then after that, I went on for further studies. After about three years as a priest, I went on to further studies in Spain at the University of Navarre, uh, Pamplona, Spain, where I did my license in moral theology. And then my bishop asked me to continue uh, on to Rome to do a doctorate. uh, And you did that in Spanish when you were in Spain? In Spain and Spanish and Italy and Italian. Wow. So. Do you still have it in you? I have some of it in me. Yeah, it's a little confused at this point because the two (laughs) languages are so similar. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, we're here to talk about liturgy.
1: A lot of this is driven by me, um, you know, being a lay person and knowing and things. Yeah, and theologian. Yes. yes, and the two are somewhat separate and also together. Absolutely. Right? Yes, so yeah. I've trained my. I, it didn't take much, but you know, I don't. Um, I don't intellectualize my lay life. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So. I, I'm not looking for an intellectual homily in right right right, ways. so I'm just noting that I, ex, I i think i I experience the liturgy as a lay person rather than a theologian, right. although I do know certain things vaguely like and i'll just this is going to be one of my first questions about the very meaning of the word liturgy that I know in our individualist time, which is a good thing and a bad thing, but that we don't have much of a sense of common worship as the deep importance of the liturgy. Yeah. So maybe you could say a little bit about what liturgy is.
0: Yeah. So Bishop Barron, who I think a lot of people are aware of, likes to say that we're hardwired to worship. Nice. That's meaning that every one of us as as creatures of, of God and sons and daughters of, of God our Father are hardwired. We're made to give worship. And liturgy is the way in which we Kind of give back to God our praise and worship, but at the same time, a way in which He comes uh, to enliven us with His with His Holy Spirit. So, it's really fundamentally the liturgy, according to the Second Vatican Council, is a work of Christ um, and Christ as the Priest, and also a work of His Body, which is the Church. Um, so, it's really it's really a, a mystery in which we're um, invited into, and in which in which we participate, and a way in which we're transformed as we worship God. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an exchange, if you will. The meeting point between God and man is through the liturgy in a very special way.
1: And there are places in the liturgy where you, this is heard and
0: seen. Yes. Yes, You got some places you can say that? that Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, the first one that comes to my mind is, you know, after the liturgy Mm -hmm. of the word, there is uh, the, you know, the offertory where the bread and wine are brought forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the priest raises up and offers the, the bread on the patent and the wine in the chalice. And that's. Symbolic, if you will, of the way in which we are offering our worship up to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also offering him the, the works of our hands. And then he transforms the work of our hands, the bread and wine into his own body and blood. He comes among us. So that kind of movement of both offering up to God ourselves and God coming down to us is the movement of, of, of the liturgy. And you can see a very, in a very concrete way at that moment at the, at the right.
1: mass. Yeah. So, I was contemplating a sports analogy. And <laughs> well, go for it. we can dump it <laughs> if it doesn't work. But it sounds like that's like Super Bowl Sunday.
0: Wow. That is a great analogy because I love Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, it's okay. the culmination, yeah. Okay, so the culmination great. of yes, our worship yes. and our worship par excellence is, is yes, the mass. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Now, I don't want to overwork. Okay, so I'll just tell you what I have for... Um, my background of this, and this does come from teaching that I would hear things like often Catholics like don't read the Bible. And I would always say, well, if you go to mass, there you go, right, <laughs> exactly. Because in the Catholic church, as a church, as a communal, the things that you said that we gather because this is not extra. This is actually the thing we do. Right. right. God is given. And we are brought up as you said it better than I did, but, you know, this this thing is happening. Yes. Um, God is doing it. Mm-hmm. And so actually reading, I used to say, and this might be exaggerated because academics can get exaggerated. No. Particularly teachers. But I used to say hearing the word spoken at mass is more important than you as an individual reading the Bible.
0: Yes, yeah. The, you would agree with that? I would because, oh. you know, the Bible was – really, um, out of the liturgy itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right. Now I would backpedal after I said that, Mm -hmm. because I would say, I'm not saying that reading the Bible as an individual isn't of the utmost importance. No, no, absolutely. Yes. Yes. We don't want to jettison
0: that. You can't throw the baby without the bathroom. Right.
1: Exactly. But I was trying to get at the fact that you reading it as a person Mm -hmm. makes Mm -hmm. sense because of the other thing.
0: Yes. Right.
1: You're agreeing with
0: that. It is the book of the church. And so the best way to both read and understand the scriptures is within the church, within the body of Christ. Right. Um, and then also because it is the church's book, it is the way in which the church passes on her faith in a written form um, from one generation to the next. As we encounter the word, the written word, we encounter Christ, we encounter uh, his, yes. his life and his teaching. Uh, it's a way in which um, we, we live our life not just individually, we do that, obviously, but we also live it as a body of the church.
1: Right. Now, what you've said already, we're going to head into Advent and the lectionary, but what you've said already already has corrected how I was thinking about our discussion today. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I was thinking about it mainly in terms of word, Mm -hmm. but when I asked you about Sunday and public worship, you actually went to Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And so what I... I'm going to ask you about the liturgical year, but my original thinking about liturgical year was my primarily scripture based.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And this is where I'm a lay person, right? Because I'm thinking a priest would automatically think, um, Eucharistic prayer, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. That's probably happening on the, uh, liturgy of the Eucharist right, that I'm right. probably not catching. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So let's go over the, I mean, I don't want to overdo it. I did outline, I did print out in preparation for this. I, uh, like it looked like a pie chart, mm-hmm. right? Where it had the liturgical Advent. Year. yeah, yes, Advent, yeah. and that was purple. And yep. then you had uh, Christmas, Christmas but it put white. yeah Christmas, and it put Epiphany with it. Mm-hmm. And then it had a little green, which is ordinary time. Ordinary time. And right. then we had the Lent, and Lent, the back to purple. Triduum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What color are we there? Well, uh, that's going to depend, right? Yeah. Oh. So Holy Thursday, Good Friday. Okay, fair enough. Saturday. That's why that was not colored consistently. Yes, right. Great, great, great. And then we had uh, Ordinary Time again. Is that what we had? Well, then the Easter season. Oh, course, yeah, the Easter season. Fair enough. And then fair
0: back enough. into the Ordinary Time, which is usually okay. a, a long stretch of Ordinary right, Time. Right, until right. Until we hit what we just hit now, which was Advent.
1: Okay. So one thing to say is this is the year. It's out. We did that really quickly. Yeah, we but, did. Um, Advent. Let's just do the big ones, and then we'll fill in the pieces. Right. Basically, Advent, Easter is the is the yeah the two is kind the, of hinges. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. So, um, and I like I say, if you look at those, you, and even ordinary time, which we'll get into, um, it has a scriptural flow to it. Sure. Yes. Yes. Right. So we'll do a little bit of that, but we probably could should throw in, uh, not throw in, but like say, I wasn't thinking about it, but actually, there's this whole other liturgical side that, like I say, I actually admit, admitting I don't have my, you know, I don't have the kind of ears
0: to probably hear all that is going on, right? So, Sure. Even in the liturgy, the Word becomes flesh, literally. I mean, you, the first yeah. part of the liturgy, the liturgy of the Word, and so the Word is very much part of the, each one of these seasons. Yes. Um, but at the same time, that Word, of course, becomes flesh. Right. Uh, right. So that's, yeah. that's really the, the liturgy of the Eucharist, if you will.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's... Yeah, that's it's actually something for me right now. Thinking, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta pay attention more. Yeah, right. don't we all? <laughs> yeah, but the Eucharistic right. prayers are really complex, and oh, I I, I, like I say, I miss a lot
0: of it. I think. Yeah, um, I, I think that's not that's a natural kind of experience that, yeah. that people have. Yeah. And when I was first ordained, um, and now it's been twenty-eight years. Um, kind of the, the thought was, well, you know, people should just uh, listen. To what's happening, and uh, as time has gone on, I've always thought that maybe more and more people should bring something with them in which they can follow along as yeah. well as listen, because sometimes right. you do miss things, both in the readings and even the the beautiful prefaces and the Eucharistic prayer. Yes, um, when it comes to some of these liturgical seasons, those prefaces, for instance, uh, and the opening prayer of the Mass, the the prayer of the offerings, the closing prayer, they're particular for that. Sunday, that particular season, and they have a lot of beauty and, uh, meaning to them. Yeah. That if we, if we're listening, that's one thing, but sometimes it's also listening. And, and if you can read along with it, you can appreciate it a little bit more and, uh, have that, that word have a greater impact uh, right. uh, on right. our lives. Yes. You know? Yeah.
1: And I, and I, So there we go. We have a task for all of us. Yes. 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 And I can remember certain things like, um, is there an Easter season uh, prayer, um, Eucharistic prayer having to do with water?
0: With water. Now water. I, water. I, are we cr- I don't know. There certainly would pro- probably maybe one of the prefaces. Uh, yeah. Okay. Backed, okay. Exodus yes, during the, and all that yes, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, kind of yeah. goes through the whole That's salvation old, history. Salvation history. Uh, exactly. Yes, 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 right. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. So now let's get on to Advent. Okay. Yes, Advent. Yeah, we'll cover other we things. Are. But just to repeat, we got Advent mm-hmm. as, oh, I'm sorry, Christmas as one of the hinges you noted. And then Easter is the other. So you have a prep time for each. Right. And you actually have a stretched out time for each. Right. right? So Christmas is more than one day. Right. Easter is all the way to Pentecost. Right. Right. So So you have
0: the special uh, octaves after each one and then the entire
1: season. All right. So now we're at Advent. Oh, and in the in in between spots, we have this thing called ordinary time. Right. 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 And ordinary is because they're numbered. That is ordinal. Is that correct?
0: That's certainly one explanation, and also that it's, it's the time in which there may not be a particular celebration uh, of right. an okay. aspect of the Lord's life, but really ordinary time, meaning that's our ordinary life, the Christian okay. life.
1: fair enough, yeah. fair enough, yeah. great. Ordinary, because like, I was looking, thinking about the word ordinaries, and then there's uh, bishops of diocese who are ordinaries. Yes. And so the second cent, that sense is the second sense that you named, right, right? because right. they don't have special duties— Right. Their ordinary duties are uh, diocese.
0: doors of, of pastoral care. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. So that's the word ordinary for ordinary time. For ordinary. For yeah, same ordinary use time. as that. Great. So why does the liturgical year, mm-hmm. and I will say what the liturgical year does is walk us through the life of Christ, Christ. and our call to follow and worship.
0: Yes. That's a great way to explain okay. it.
1: Why does it begin
0: at Advent? Well, there we begin the walk through the people of Israel. Oh, that's good. So Advent, you know, a word that means advenire to come, the coming, the the arrival of Christ. Well, that that's really the Old Testament. That was God's right. preparation of the people of God as they walked in pilgrimage toward the coming of the Messiah. Okay.
1: Now, so I have a comment on that. Before we get okay, there, great. I also had my own question that I want to slip in as we begin Advent. Is that? Um, Lent is 40 days, mm-hmm. right? And when we get talk about Lent later, we can go a long way with 40s, right? Lots of 40s. So I, I actually don't know, and I didn't see any explanation as I was looking around why Advent is four weeks or four Sundays.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, do you have any... Cent- why, why? I, you know, I, I don't okay. know, okay. honestly, why four would be the, the typical... Yeah. But
1: it is four Sundays. But it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. Four Sundays
0: of Advent. The third one being very special, uh, Gaudete Re- yes, Sunday. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Um, and we all should know that from our Advent candles.
0: That's true. The Advent can- they're all over campus, as a yes. matter of fact. Which is well, beautiful. when
1: my children were little, that's how they knew that that was day. We, yeah. You know, you had the pink, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so that made that day stand out, mm-hmm. which is a nice thing.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a way to rejoice. Yes.
1: Okay, so now you said... For Advent, um, about walking Isra- with the people of Israel. Right. right. That's okay. the preparations. That's the Great. beginning. Right. And I actually was lector this past Sunday, which was the first Sunday of Advent. And when you're a lector, you actually remember things yes. well. Yes. And the passages were really about uh, getting ready,
0: mm-hmm.
1: staying alert. Right. And if I recall correctly, the letter of Paul. I think it was Romans was really actually about Christ's second coming. The end times. End times. Oh, the
0: the gospel was as well. And the gospel was as well. Yeah, so you have an explanation
1: about why on the first Sunday of Advent we would not be talking about Christmas. Christmas. But something... Yes.
0: UnChristmas-like. There's, no there's, I think a good way to explain it, and that is that Christmas is more than we think it is.
1: Ah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> we got to remember that when we talk about Christmas. I'm gonna write that note. Wait, go ahead talk. I'm getting a pen.
0: No. So Christmas, of course, is is first and foremost the arrival of Christ, right? His birth, the big, the the, the Messiah. But it's his first coming. This first coming uh, is his coming in flesh. His coming in poverty. Uh, His coming to work salvation through his passion, death, and resurrection. But there is a second coming, a second meeting of Christ that he himself spoke of during his lifetime. So there's really two comings. And Christmas becomes um, uh, an introduction or even in some way a prefigurement of another coming, which is his final coming. His coming uh, in glory at the end Uh of time. So we begin Advent with a bit of a shock, don't we? And you read that. Yes, I did, like I say. Boom, it's a little hit over the head to say, get ready, because this first coming, that of course we know is just around the corner, a couple of weeks away, uh, is not our Lord's last. And uh, his first coming was to save us so that we would respond, so that by his second coming, whether it's in our personal death, which is a way in which Christ does encounter each of us in our own death, or the ultimate second coming at the end of time, the general judgment, we will meet him again and we'll be answerable to how we responded to his first coming. Nice. Nice. So the two are very much connected. Christmas is yeah bigger than we think.
1: Yeah. It also sets a tone, um, particularly if you're an lector, it also sets a tone that this kind of preparation is much different than what our culture is preparing oh, for it. And we're always doing both at once. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, sure. But, but it is, great yeah. Do you have a comment on that difference at all? Like I say, they don't have to be exclusive.
0: No, 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 not at no. all. I mean, the preparation for Christmas, I mean, we, we get all the, the presents and we, the food together and there's kind of a materialistic preparation. Is that what you're referring to? David? Yeah, kind of that, yeah. Yeah. The but culture the culture kind of prepares yeah. for that. That's not a bad thing. No, no, not, not a bad thing at all. Not at no, all. No. it is a way in which we can celebrate with yes. family, with friends and an event that really is significant in our lives. However, we have to remember that man is made to worship. He's hardwired to worship not the things that are passing, but the things that are eternal. Right. So we find ultimately our meaning not in the material things of this earth and our wealth and power and pleasure. And, um, and those things can certainly have a, a place in our lives, but they're not ultimately that which we, which we worship. Yeah. Um, ultimately, that's God. And we find our meaning not so much in the, not in the things of this world, but in the things of, of the next. Um, so Christ is the one who gives meaning to our life, not necessarily the material preparations for his, his birth. Um, and as you, you said, this is, this doesn't negate those very good things that we do to prepare. Um, but at the same time, it's a reminder. And I always like to put it this way. You know, it just reminds us that you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. <laughs> you know, so you nice. know. Ultimately, that first Sunday of Advent is to remember that yeah, there's going to be a time in which all of this will end, mm-hmm. and you can't you know, take it with you. Right? You know, you can't take it with you. You can't put it in the u hall and say, "I'm going to take this with me." Right. Um, ultimately, we will stand before Christ um, without the temporal things. Of
1: the so, one way of putting, I'm trying to think about, sort of respond to various things that you said. One thing was like, um, I'll just put my own phrase on it. Um, It sets the tone that this is about the future. It's about where we're going. Oh, that's the way to put it. Because you talked about the second coming. It's about where we're going. Where we're going. Rather, well, not rather, but soon, or it's in terms of where we've been. It's where we're going, certainly in light of where we've been or what has done. What has been done. What has been done.
0: Ah, what has been done for us. And now where we are going. Right. We're always a pilgrim people, like the people of Israel in their journey across the desert for. Forty yeah. years yeah. to the promised land. We're in, we're in the same kind of um, position, if you will. We're also on a journey. We're also moving uh, toward ultimately the promised land, which is heaven.
1: Yeah. So it gives a future orientation. Yes. Yeah. But right. the event, what has been done for us, I'm trying to get at what you originally said. Uh, I respond to that. Right. Uh, I respond to what has been done is going to put us in a position for what will be, yes, what's, what's yes. coming. Yeah, okay.
0: And in some sense, you could also say that what has been done and the one who has come yes. in the past is our future. He's the one right. to whom we are going. Right. So the kingdom of God is present here, but in its fullness, ultimately, as Pope Benedict says, it's the person of Jesus Christ. He's also our, our omega point, right? right? The, the end to which yeah. we're going. So just as the one who has come, he's the one whom we are journeying toward. Now, um, I just want to talk about gift giving just for a minute. Oh, great. I love it.
1: Okay. I'm not very good at it to tell you the truth because I'm way too utilitarian. <laughs> like That's people great. ask me what I want and I will say, you know, whatever tie, right. T-shirts or something right. like that. Right. right. Shoes. Right. right. And I know my wife gets really annoyed at this and I know she's right. And I'm wrong because what she wants in gifts is surprise. Oh, she yes. wants great. Yeah. She wants a bit of grace. Right. Right, And I remember I gave her something last year that she actually brought back to the store. Oh. But she said to me that was the best gift.
0: Really? Because he was surprised?
1: Yeah. She said because it was something I never, I don't have and um, that it just was a tempt by you to kind of give me something I'm not used to. And, you know, that was good. So that was a nice thing for her to say. That is nice. But I'm just saying that, you know, I I think for most people, it is that way. Like, it's not just about getting cash and prizes. It really is about experiencing, um, symbolically, I guess, you used another word, figuratively, Mm -hmm. um, or finding a metaphor for... uh, Surprise of having God in our lives. Right, right. We're actually not surprised about that
0: enough. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, as John Mark Maravalli makes the yes. point, that that's really the beginning of beauty, right? We're right. Never surprised. Uh, Pope Francis talks about the God of surprises. We've got to leave room for the God of surprises. Yes. Um, yeah. Once again, we go back to the people of Israel. He surprised them a lot. He certainly did. And at the yes. same time, yes. what we're going to celebrate too is Christmas. Yeah. Think uh, what greater surprise could there have been that the God of all the universe would come? As a babe in Bethlehem in a little indeed, crib. indeed. The yeah. shepherds probably had the biggest surprise of all, you know, right. and the Magi, the ones that saw yeah. this event, you know, yeah. firsthand. What a surprise.
1: And, you know, I guess because of, um, I don't know if we want to blame um, Charlie Brown specials and those sorts of <laughs> I things. I love that. Yeah, I know. But we just get so accustomed that that's how it's supposed to happen. Right. 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 But we all, we have, we have, princes and princesses born in our world. Right. And they are in born in palaces right? in their own hospital wings made up in their own palaces. Yes. Right. And right. their, and their names and date of birth and time of birth are broadcast like on live news. Absolutely. even yeah. Not to shepherds. Not
0: you know, to shepherds. Yeah.
1: So it, it is striking. Now, before we get off the first week and we talked about, the first week as of, of Advent, introducing mm-hmm. right away uh, Christ, um, pilgrimage and Christ's return. Right. Uh, you said, getting back to this, oh, the path that Israel has taken. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in the um, Eucharistic side of the, of the
0: first day of Advent that does that in
1: the same way that Scripture does?
0: Well, I, I would kind of say that you know, certainly the prayers that are part of the Eucharistic prayer point to that when you look okay. at the preface and the prayers of that, right. of that day. So, in the uh, Eucharist itself, um, certainly there is a sense that uh, the, the, the very things that the manna, for instance, that the yeah, people oh, have got along the way is the, the new manna.
1: So I've got to break down these words. So when you say preface, you're saying an introduction to the Eucharistic prayer right. that has particular themes for a given day. Is that... Given day, given season. Given sometimes? season. Okay. So or, what or we're... Occasion. What like we're looking marshes. out for. Can you tell us... When the priest starts the preface. Good. We're, we're,
0: the, the, the gifts are coming up. Right, right. They're gifts. We're They're setting at, the table set the, up. Right. Set okay. on so, the altar. So when's the preface? And then when he says, the Lord be with you, with your spirit, mm-hmm. lift up your hearts. So he has that introductory okay. dialogue. Yes. And as soon as he's done, it is right and just the people respond to the yes. third one. Yes. As soon as the people uh, respond with that, then the priest begins what we call a preface. And it's a little longer prayer. It's right before we start singing the holy, holy, holy. So okay. it's, it's yes. uh, the bookends are that introductory Great. dialogue and then the sanctus, the holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. That's the preface. That's always um, you know, a particular prayer that uh, identifies for everyone the season or the particular celebration, that particular day. Right. Um, so Advent has particular preference, prefaces. Um, we have on, on this coming Monday the Immaculate Conception. So that's a solemnity. Yes. That is a particular preface that speaks of the mystery that we're recalling and, and commemorating on that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas itself will have uh, and has several prefaces that you can use on that day and then throughout the season of Christmas. It's a way in which the church kind of provides a word about what's happening and what the season or particular celebration is all about. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important to, and it's hard to do, even for a priest, to be listening attentively to what is the church teaching us. So uh, the old theological axiom is, you know, lex orandi, lex credendi, right? Yes. The law of praying is the law of belief or the yes. the way in yes. which we pray is what we believe and what we believe is in our prayer. Right. So by listening to and praying those prayers, we actually uh, profess and reaffirm the faith in, in this case, what Advent's all about. What is Christmas yes. all about? These yes. different stages in our Lord's own life.
1: Yeah, very good, very good. Um, so, I'll pay attention. Okay. okay. Yes. As soon as we get that, um,
0: I think it's good. You know, w- people have those Magnificat and, and uh, have little missiles that yes. they can bring yes. along. Yes. Uh, living with Christ. Yes. Th- those yes. things are great to have. They are. They have these. They have little
1: introductions to the season and Mm -hmm. and all that yeah very good I have it here because I just with our time left I just want to go through other scriptural themes great so next week or the second Sunday in Advent oh we were supposed to talk about this being year A I forgot about that so we're doing Matthew right for the most part for the most part maybe we'll talk about that later but Mm -hmm. so um, because there's some John in here for some days All right. so what I one thing to say about the scriptures for Advent is it's like greatest hits of Isaiah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I know we had Isaiah 2 on the first Sunday of Advent, which was the pilgrimage of nations, mm-hmm. right? So that... Um, All israelis will come to... Yes. And then um, and we have talked about those other passages. For December 8th, we have Isaiah 11, which is... Um, sprout out of the stump oh, of jesse stump of jesse right, yes right. yes so this new thing happening right something yeah. new and from
0: yeah. the stump of, of jesse from yeah. the
1: david and, yes and actually there were some others i'll get to it when we talk about christmas oh here it is here i'm, I'm skipping forward uh, david is all over the place on the third sunday of advent it's in all scriptures. Even the gospel has has the house, you know, the son of yeah, David. The house of David. Yeah. That's right. So the David is a connection
0: there. You want to say a little bit about David? Sure. I mean, the angel Gabriel actually, uh, when he speaks to Mary and yeah. and uh, announces to her that uh, she's to be the mother uh, of the Messiah, he he mentions that he will um, reign over that, you know, the house of David. That he will uh, take on that um, kingdom. So. David is the king of Israel, the quintessential king of Israel. Uh, and it's through his line, the prophets say that the Messiah will come. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does, how does uh, the promise to Israel come about? Well, it comes about in the direct line of David. Yeah. Uh, one of his, um, uh, you know, his ancestors will eventually be, um, uh, the Messiah, mm-hmm. um, so it's really the the human, if you will, connection. It's it's God becoming man into a real family, and in this instance, the royal family of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so his his kingdom, however, unlike David's, will not end. It'll be eternal. Mm-hmm. And David, in some way, his kingdom kind of is lived through. Uh, the, the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, it was the preparation for and the prefigurement of this coming kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but David, that, that whole house of David grounds, if you will, the Messiah in, in his humanity, in his human nature, in, into a real family. Right. Uh, a yeah. royal one. Yeah. Uh, a one chosen by God.
1: The Gospel of Matthew, first chapter, makes that, Clear. Abundantly and clear. It, it, in the genealogy. Right. And it, it sets it in terms of um, Abraham. Mm-hmm. All the way through. David, Babylonian exile. Mm-hmm. So high point, lowest point. Right. And, right. Then, right. and then Jesus. Right. And then the other okay. thing interesting about the Advent scriptures, particularly the Gospels, is there's a lot. Well, interesting. I guess we could be expected. is a lot of John the Baptist. I love John the Baptist. Yes. yes but we have John the Baptist called repent. Uh, another week we have um, Jesus, John's disciples, John's in prison, John's disciples go to Jesus and say, yeah. hey, are you the guy? Jesus says, hey, look around you. Right. right. Look at all these things. Look that at at all, yeah. It's doing. happening. Right. Yeah. 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 So you have anything to say about John the Baptist in Advent?
0: He's the precursor, right? So he's the man that prepared the way of the Lord. Um, he is, according to Jesus, um, the Elijah. You know, he's the right. one that was right. predicted to come in, mm-hmm. in order to smooth the road for the the coming of the Messiah. So his his message of repentance is extremely important for the Christmas season, because or for the Advent season, because Advent is in some way a penitential season too. We prepare the way of the Lord by way of listening to John the Baptist. Repent.
1: Yeah, no, this Repent. is good. Um, because if you were to ask me, without ever looking at it, things. In liturgical year, where is John the Baptist going to be highlighted? I would have said Lent, and that probably is true of Lent. Yeah. I would not have said Advent, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. many of us—I'm admitting this—I really do have to work. Let's say I have to work at getting, uh, understanding, and acting on the re, the, the, the repentant the penance. repentance repentance yes. part of Advent. Right. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Right. Like I say, it's a hard season to do it. Lent isn't
0: as hard. No, you're right, because, I mean, I, I think in preparation for Christmas, you had mentioned that you know, a lot of people are preparing in so many ways. I mean, here in yep. the university, we're ending a semester. It's hard. Yeah, at it's hard. Yes. It's very hard. Yes. It's, very hard. Yes. it's very difficult. Yes. Families are preparing materially for yes. the Christmas time, and and so the penitential aspect of it is not often thought of um, or appreciated as much. Yep. At the same time, it shouldn't be seen as a, a, a dour, sad time so much, because it is a preparation for a great event. Uh, Christmas is, is something that just... Fills us with great joy. Okay, can we say this? I'm inventing this on the spot. Okay,
1: hang on. Can we write this down? Well, it seems to me there's different sides of repentance. Repentance is actually a liberating experience. That's good, right? And I I actually thinking this through for myself. Like, why do Catholics go to confession and confess to God? And I've you you probably know this. It takes me a while to get there. But one thing about confessing to God is we know that we can't fool God. Right. 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 I mean. He
0: sees right through us. <laughs>
1: yeah. Literally. So, you know, when we confess to another person, we're always hedging. Or it's easier to hedge, let's say. Sure. But then the other thing is, we also know that we're fully known by God. And then we walk out of there and we're fully accepted. Right. So we're fully known. Right. right. We can't really hide anything. No. And then we're fully accepted. Right. Seems like uh, Lent, appropriately, because you have Jesus going to the cross, is emphasizing one side of confession, not necessarily. Well, sometimes our—I don't want to say on—I um, don't want to say our unworthiness. Go, go ahead. But it's some of the suffering aspect. The suffering, or, you know, or yeah, or, I mean, understanding the way that Jesus is going. Right. He's not taking the easy way. No. No. Anyway. So taking the hard way. Right. Mm-hmm. And but Advent maybe emphasizes repentance. I'm inventing this on the spot, but mm-hmm. the liberating side of it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Look at it. Because uh, we are accepted. Accepted. Yes, God comes right. into the world. He does. He yes. does come into the world, and by it, we are his sons and daughters. Yeah. yeah. You so, know? so that's liberating. It's like the prodigal son probably had experienced both sides of that. His great suffering, uh, you know, with the right. pig farmer. Yes, yes, And yet he yes. comes back, and the father clothes him in, a, you know, a beautiful cloak, yes. shoes on his yes. feet, ring on his fingers. So there's uh, a restoration, a joyful yeah. restoration. And what happens? They go in and have a banquet. Yeah, so there's I, both uh, sides
1: I think it. was N. t write maybe not, that has this wonderful description of the the father mm. when he runs out to the son. He basically says, and remember, well, one thing to have an elderly man run in that culture would have not been a great thing to a younger person. But I also think he had this picture of like, I already have the old man run. You don't want to see me run. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's not a dignified process. (laughs) He's not worried about his own dignity. Yeah, no, no. And I think we, we forget that about Christmas. Yeah, Yeah, we do. Like the, like you, you began this by saying, um, you know, the, the, uh, humility, uh, the humble birth, yeah, but,
0: exactly. He's really not yeah. worried about his own dignity. He's worried yeah. about
1: ours. Yeah, that that is striking. That is striking. Yeah, I think that is a great way to yeah. end our discussion of Advent. It actually. is. Yeah. So to recap, beginning of the year really is Advent. Right. You said that um, that had to do with walking the way of Israel. And then we had all kinds of preparation themes because mm-hmm. that's where John the Baptist came in. You said John the Baptist is the precursor and I'm thinking the Gospel of Luke, John the Baptist actually represents the prophets, Mm, right? He's the end of that age, right? Right. So so you're moving into a new age. So John the Baptist really is the person representing Advent because he is the, right? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and then... I don't want to skip things. Oh, we're supposed to pay attention to the preface of the Eucharistic yes, prayer. Yes, yes. And that is going to begin right after the... Um, that introductory dialogue. Yes. So after their offertory and yes. the preparation yeah. of the altar. Yeah. It is just, it is right and just.
0: Yes. So does that I have to whole? say, it is
1: right and just. Yes. And then boom. The yeah. Priest. And then all the way up to the holy. The holy, holy. Right. And, and so we keep our ears out for that. Yes. Um, I will end us off by saying something... Personal about the Eucharist. Now, it doesn't happen to me these days, but when I had a pew full of little kids, I always, it's, it's hard to pay attention. And my surprise, it happened every week hmm. um, that, like I say, I wasn't paying attention. I admit that. And I process forward for the Eucharist and God was there. Hmm. And that just was so striking and humbling for me all the time. Yeah, yeah. And maybe for people in this Advent season as you say we're rushing about sweat and work are going to get people right preparing for guests to come and the grace of it is even if you're paying attention. He pays attention to us. God will be mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah all right thank
0: you very much Monsignor Baker. Thank you wonderful. thank you.